we are in the third Sunday of Advent, and Advent is the season where we are considering how we prepare ourselves for the arrival of the Messiah that we celebrate at Christmas. We're considering the preparation of our own hearts, and it's common during Advent to consider a character in Scripture who also was about preparing the way for the arrival of Jesus and Jesus' ministry. And that character is John the Baptist. So our scripture reading for this morning comes from John 1, 6 through 8 and 19 through 28, where we read, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light. But he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Have you ever stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon? Have you ever stood at the edge of any canyon? If you've ever stood at the rim of a canyon, you know the incredible beauty of emptiness. What makes a canyon beautiful is that emptiness. All those clefts, in the earth that have been carved away by this force of water over time, it really is something to just behold. When you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon or any canyon, you notice, you know, as you look down that really it is this empty space that's been formed that creates that beauty, that creates that wonder. It's that empty space. It, it almost seems like the emptiness in the middle of a canyon. It almost becomes like a highway if you've been, you know, a highway for the wind, a highway for the birds and, and creatures of the air to fly through. When you're standing there and you're paying attention, you're sort of like looking, looking, peering over the edge, and you're noticing like there's plants growing out of those dry cracks in the rock. Amazing. Sometimes you might see like a little critter trying to find some shelter in the rocky crags of the the rock. 
When you spend time in a canyon, you notice these things. And, and when you look down, you know, way, way, way down, you often see a river. A river still flowing way down. The original force that made that canyon landscape. It's kind of like that river is still there, and it's still there doing its work, still doing its work of eroding and shaping this earth as it's trying to find some distant sea somewhere. In a canyon, what, you, what we're beholding, what we're seeing, is the power of negative space. It's like the vastness of what's missing, what's been hollowed out, is what's making the beauty. That, that sort of like space of emptiness is as compelling as what's remaining. And many artists and many contemplatives and many human beings have stood at the edge of a canyon and just like taken in the power and the beauty. It's, it's almost like what is not there is reminding us of the depths of all the things in life that we often miss, that we don't notice, that are like hidden under the surface. And when I think about the Grand Canyon, when I think about being in Israel at St. George's Monastery, if you've ever been there, when I think about being in a landscape like that, I imagine John the Baptist. I imagine this guy standing in a desert canyon sort of space, his voice crying out and echoing off the rocks. Maybe we could imagine John the Baptist, you know, kind of walking in the dust of a desert canyon, like saying his words, using his voice among the bird song that fly through those empty spaces. And just kind of like a river carves out a canyon, John the Baptist was proclaiming a coming that would carve out sort of the, the hardness of human hearts. He's proclaiming a coming, of course, of Jesus, a coming that will strip away all the striving and falseness in people and will form a beauty of its own in human lives. So like the emptiness of a canyon where what is been removed is creating the sort of essence of the canyon. That is also true in our lives. That there is a grandness to a person who has come to accept the limits of who they are not. There is a depth of soul that can happen in you and in me when a sort of holy emptiness is carved out by the river and flow of God's coming into our own lives. Because as some things are carved away, what happens is we get to see what remains. A canyon, like the Grand Canyon, is grand because of absence. And there's a deep grandness that is in you. And it's found in an honest reflection of what you're not. So in our scripture passage, John the Baptist is asked, who are you? 
I am not the Messiah, he says. Are you Elijah? I am not, he says. The prophet? No. It's like before we can see who John is, we see who John is not. He's not trying to be what others wish him to be. There's an acceptance in himself of who he is not. He can own that he is not everything. And it's interesting, you know, in a world that sort of says to you and I, you can be anything, sometimes we try to be everything. Because, you know, if you can be anything, then maybe you should be everything. But you're not everything. And neither am I. We are who God made us to be. Nothing more, nothing less. And so there is a grandness that comes in an honest reflection of who you are not. Are you Elijah? No. A prophet? No. Like John must first relinquish those identity markers. It's kind of like his first act of truth-telling. John knows that he has to say the roles to which he's not called to be before he can actually affirm who he is called to be. And so we... We, too, must do that, right, in life. And I don't know about you, but I have these little ways in which I seek to be my own Messiah, right? I, I encounter my own fears. I encounter my own insecurities. And I tend to think in my humanness, like, oh, you know, if I just have enough experience, if I just have enough intellect, if I just, you know have the right connections, if I just listen to the right thing, like somehow I will solve my own problems. I will be my own Messiah. I will save myself. I will figure this out on my own. Like if I could just like fully take on all these titles that are offered me and, you know, that I accept, not, not really because they fit me per se, but because they give me some sense of control. They give me some sense of like identity and worth, then maybe I'll feel more myself. Maybe I'll solve the problems I face. Like, if I could just be who others want me to be, I could save myself. And, of course, not only do we do that ourselves, but we place these expectations on others. So common, right, for parents to, like, want their children to be who they want them to be rather than, like, who has God made this child to be? Accepting that. So we put these roles on one another and we take these roles on ourselves and we so easily miss each other by really just viewing ourselves and each other pragmatically and efficiently through the various roles are you the messiah are you elijah are you prophet he says no 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 i'm none of these and just like the canyon only becomes itself in the void. That's how a canyon is formed. It's the same for us, too. It's really in accepting who we're not that we get closer to the essential core and the essential truth of who we are, our identity, who God made us to be. So first John says who he's not, then he says who he is. And this is what he says. I am the voice 
of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. What does he say of himself? He says, I am a voice, like I am a sound. I'm a sound wave. I am, I'm really like something invisible. I'm a voice piercing into the air. I'm nothing less than this, and I'm nothing more than this. Like, this is exactly who God made me to be. John the Baptist is this man of like, you just, like this empty wilderness image. It's so fitting for him. He's like this canyon-like figure. Because his life is really characterized not by self-promotion, not by self-aggrandizement. His life is characterized more by this like spaciousness and depth that he is pointing to another. And he's accepted his limits. He's not trying to do it all. He's not trying to be everything. He's exactly who God made him to be, who God needs him to be, and nothing more, nothing less. And he's really like one of those rare souls who's been shaped in the depths by God's love. And he embodies this way of just like you and I, too, accepting the limits of who God has made us to be. Being truthful, having honest reflection, accepting personal limits, and really seeing that, like, that is a pathway to a very purposeful existence. John the Baptist is like this picture of how our lives can be carved out to make room for God to come and fill us, to make clear the way for the advent of God so that there would be kind of like a spacious, wide, grand canyon in you. And that God's spirit could come and flow right there inside you. There's just really so much for us to learn from him, especially, I would say, in this anxious year that we're having. Because typically, at this time of year, we are very busy, very crazy. Typically, at this time of year, you are running around, gathering gifts and wrapping presents and hosting holiday parties and attending and entertaining. And this year, it's a lot of space carved out. This year, all of that has been canceled. This year, there is an emptiness to many of the things that would typically fill our lives. But here's the thing, the gift of space does not equal peace. Because if you were frenzied before, you can find ways to be frenzied right now. If you were super driven before this pandemic, you can find ways to continue to be driven now. If you were you know, anxious and seeking control, you can find ways to continue to be afraid and overwhelmed and anxious even now. The gift of a canyon-type space inside of you, the gift of a Grand Canyon sort of spaciousness in your soul and in your life, that type of spirituality is not something that we manufacture. It's a gift from outside. So just like the canyon doesn't form itself, it's the river flowing through that forms it. We are not formed into people who have spacious souls because we muscled our way to that 
or we read enough books or we did something in our power to do it. It is because God's grace has come upon us like a gift, a gift that is received, not a gift that is achieved. It's not a climbing. It's not a pursuing. It's a gift that's received. It comes from the outside. This is grace. This is the grace. This is the gift of God. And I want to pause just for a minute and say, I see this spaciousness of soul in some of you. I really do. And I honor that. I see that. I, I've experienced that in you. And though others may not see it, may not um, appreciate it, may not notice it, it's a gift. It is a gift when you have a spacious soul that has room to receive God and to receive others. That is truly a gift. And I see that gift at work in many of you. Um, I will say of me, there are many, many ways uh, that I feel anxious on a regular basis, probably like you, just like you. But there's one way I want to, I just want to share with you a place where I am experiencing an unusual peace right now. And it's not a perfection, it's just an experience of peace that I want to share with you. Many of you know that this past summer in July, when we were in this little cottage in Wisconsin on the lake, <laughs> I tested positive for COVID-19. Many of you know that already. And uh, for a string of days, I was really sick. I never had to go to the hospital, but I just uh, was sleeping a ton. Like, um, there were many days in a row that uh, Tim deserves a tremendous amount of praise because, l I'm not kidding, this is not an exaggeration, I was sleeping like 18 to 20 hours a day for a string of days. And, um, you know, there was something uh, about that. To, uh, well, also, happy to report, I have no ongoing symptoms. Really grateful to feel 100% back to health. Um, very grateful for that. But since having COVID, um, I've gotten into this habit somewhere thereafter of, like, going to bed at, like, 8 p.m. when I put my children to sleep. <laughs> so if you call me at 9, I'm probably fast asleep. But uh, I just have gotten into this habit. And so if you are in my body uh, and do not need, like, 10 or 12 hours of sleep like the children do, then you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night when you go to bed that early. And here's the gift that's been unusual to me. I find myself waking up, you know, in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., something like that. And uh, in the past, if I woke up any time before 5 a.m., I used to always feel like, I got to get back to sleep. I'm frustrated that I'm up. I used to always feel like that was the worst time for ruminating. But the, the, the very strange thing that is going on for me right now is that when I wake up at the time, I just feel incredible peace in my body. I feel like it's just this gift from God right now. I can't fully explain it to you, but I lay there, and I just feel like I feel so good in my body in the middle of the night. I'm, there's probably more things to be ruminating about right now than perhaps ever before in the world, but in the middle of the night, I often will be laying there, and I'll be thinking about when I was laying in that bed for all those hours, those days on end with COVID, and when I had COVID, there was like this 
huge permission slip, right, that's given. Like when you're sick, you get that. Like you can just drop all the balls because you just got the positive test and you're sick and, you know, you just can drop. And so there's this huge permission slip to like do nothing. And in the middle of the night, I like think about that sometimes. And in my body, I just feel like this, God is giving me right now this um, gift of conscious rest. Where I'm awake, the rest of the world's sleeping, nothing is needed of me, not needing to do anything. And it's just this like gift of conscious rest to me right now. I, I don't know how long that will last, but right now, that just feels like a gift I'm receiving when I wake up in the middle of the night and I feel at peace. I feel like it's a time to um, just remember that I have permission to like do nothing right then and there, to just receive, here I am, God, here you are. There's not a time to worry. Um, so that is a place I'm experiencing right now, this gift of, of grace from God. And when I think about John the Baptist, I just, ex I sense that he was a person who experienced a gift of God's grace in regards to his identity, in regards to just like who he was made to be. It seems he experienced a gift that was received and not achieved. It seems he was free to love and to be exactly who God made him to be, like nothing more, nothing less. And in 2020, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting, we've come face to face with so many needs. Needs with family and friends, needs in our community, needs in the world. And sometimes when we are faced with needs, it is very tempting to take on much more than you actually can be or do. You might just take it on in your mind. You might take it on in your spirit. But you take it on. You take on attempting to be or become more than what God's made you to be, who God's made you to be. It's almost like with every new shift in the media, our media feeds, it's almost like the world is shouting, surrounding you and shouting like, who are you? Who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Like the media comes in my feed and it's almost like, the, you know, you're being surrounded with like, you know, are you liberal? Are you conservative? Are you woke? Are you racist? Are you anti-racist? Like, what are you? Who are you? Are you a masker? Are you an anti-masker? Are you a vaxxer? Are you an anti-vaxxer, right? Like we have all of these questions that surround us and it's interesting because with all those labels we're crafting identities identities that we achieve we're crafting identities and then we're forming places of belonging and not belonging with all of these labels and yet all of these labels like if you just step back for a minute all of the labels are just the many ways we're trying to save ourselves. We're trying to be saviors of our own world. But if we're to cultivate the space inside ourselves, inside our lives and inside our souls, for God to accomplish 
God's purposes in and through us, then we have to join with John the Baptist in saying, I am not the Messiah. You want to just say that with me right now? I am not the Messiah. Like, I'm not. No, I am not. I don't have the answers. I am not in control. In that, there, I have to have a willingness to disappoint others. You know, John was disappointing this expectant throng of people. We have to accept we are not everything others wish we would be. We have to be willing to embrace that sort of emptiness of what we were never meant to be. And then, once we do that, maybe, just maybe, we can receive who we are called to be, what we are called to be, what was ours to claim all along. There are things that are yours to claim. For John, the purpose of his own voice is clear. He's here to pave the way. He's here to pave the way of the Lord. He's here to announce God is here, the Messiah is here, the incarnate promise is here. And so what does he do? He's baptizing people. Like he's saying, come step into this water. Let this force outside of you do this work in you. Just like a river is coming and it's, it's carving out this space in a canyon of petrified rock. Like these waters of baptisms is this picture of like God coming in and flowing over you. God's spirit coming in and, and like carving out all the layers of defensiveness and falsehood and all the ways in which you're seeking to be your own savior. And it's like, no, the water is doing its work. John's inviting others to let themselves be scoured like by God's river to let all that defensiveness be stripped away. It's like rather than seeking to always say like, what more can I add? It's allowing a space of emptiness to form, to hollow that space out in our lives and in our hearts so that we might be prepared for God's coming. John is saying that this space is in preparation for the one who is coming after him. Who is that? That's Jesus. That's Christ. That's, he's pointing to him. He is the one who's coming to make all things new. And it's, I just think, like, here we are in 2020. This is a different time. This is a different place. This is a, a different wilderness. But the same thing is needed. John's invitation is open to us because we're all still learning like who we are and who we are not. And kind of like a canyon, we're still being shaped. We're still being laid bare to the forces of wind and light. And, you know, we're still able to like open ourselves up to God coming and filling and forming the insides of us, even in this even right now. And the space is for God to fill with God's self so that God's purposes might shine through our lives. So then it's like, well, what are God's purposes? 
if God's going to fill me, what are God's purposes? The prophet Isaiah said of the purposes of God, that they are to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. So may we, this Advent, be emptied of self and so full of God, so filled with God that God's purposes might just shine forth in our lives this Advent. Let's pray together as we close. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you keep coming for us in every season, in every situation. There is no place. There is no thing so confusing or thing so dark. There is no failure so great that your love does not reach and seek to fill and redeem. God, would you help us to see what it might mean to accept space as a gift from you that might be filled with you? Would you keep us from just being people who just keep filling our lives even when there is space with more, more, and more? But instead be people who see space as a gift from you that can be filled with you that your purposes might shine forth in our lives. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.